right. Well, good morning, apes. It is still morning here for just about another minute or so. Happy Thursday here, this beautiful Thursday, February 8th, 2024. It's been a while since I've seen you guys, so very glad to be back. Thank you guys for joining as usual and everything. I did just get back from my vacation. I was down in Belize for about a week or so. Uh, great country, great place to visit. We had a ton of fun. My biggest recommendation, though, if you are somebody as pasty as I am, definitely bring a ton of sunscreen. We had to learn that lesson the hard way over here at the Daily Peel Global headquarters last week, but still, definitely go ahead and check things out. Just make sure you're packing that SPF 50 at least. Very glad to be back here with you guys today. We did, you know, I was a little disappointed I was out during a big week with, you know, a lot of earnings, Fed meeting, jobs report, and everything, but we got a whole lot going on this month as well, and we definitely don't want to keep you guys waiting, so... Let's go ahead and just dive right into things here. So today we got daily peel number 643 here today. Like I said, February 8th, 2024, and it is officially high noon over here in Eastern time. It is now 12 p.m., so good afternoon to everybody that's just joining us here now. In this edition, we're going to be talking about uh, some freaks in the balance sheet that we got going on. Every American consumer is apparently a freak in the sheets. At least that's the way that it looks right now based on household balance sheets. We'll dive into that and tie it into overall GDP growth and see exactly what's going on, how scared we should be, and uh, anything else that might be impacting that going forward. Then, of course, we got a whole bunch of earnings reports yesterday that we'll be talking about. Most embarrassing of all being, of course, Snapchat. As you guys can see right behind me, this is Snapchat's year-to-date performance, 29%. They actually lost even more than that on the day yesterday, as we'll get into in just a few minutes. And then, of course, finishing up with some uh, some woes going on over in the Chinese stock market. And, you know, it, it's all about firing the weatherman over there, firing the guy in charge when things are going in your direction. We'll talk much more about that in just a couple of minutes. We'll also, of course, be giving our takes on Snapchat and Alibaba's earnings as well. Given that they were so horrendously reviewed by the market, we'll be giving our takes as well. So definitely stick around for that. All right, moving into the market snapshot here, as we can see, WSO Alpha Portfolio uh, we had a very solid day yesterday, up about 66 pips, underperforming the S&P as well as the NASDAQ, but still kicking the shit out of the Dow. So at least we're beating somebody who are at 4.34% on the year. Uh, we are still underperforming the S&P in our main benchmark, the NASDAQ, but it's always great to see Bitcoin and Ethereum joining everybody in the green gang. I mean, have you ever seen anything more beautiful than something like this? Just everything green, uh, pure lights, everything's going well, and let's hope it stays that way for at least a little bit longer here. All right, moving into some banana bits, some major stories of the day. There was a major border measure. This included uh, some foreign aid funding to places like Ukraine and Israel as well. Uh, so that was, it, given that it it deals with, you know, Ukraine funding, Israel funding, as well as the southern border, that's pretty much three of the most contentious topics in American politics right now. So no surprise that Democrats and Republicans couldn't agree on that. Washington, they couldn't agree on just about anything. So a foil like this was very much not expected to pass, at least on the first try. We'll see if any changes go through going forward. But of course, the massive chip designer Arm out of the UK, they had a big earnings report yesterday, and or two days ago, I believe it was at the close on Tuesday. But either way, they absolutely knocked it out of the park. No surprise there. The chip industry is still absolutely firing on all cylinders, and we saw that with this designer. But of course, New York Community Bank managed to uh, get everybody to kind of chill the fuck out a little bit as of yesterday because they started to release a bunch of numbers along with their earnings report showing that they're probably not going to go bankrupt at the very least. That's probably with a ton of asterisks around it, so definitely still stay tuned on that one. Then, of course, the old man fight continues. This time, we're not talking about Joey B and Donnie T, the presidential matchup that we'll all certainly, unfortunately, be able to see over the next couple of months here in the United States. Uh, but this old man fight, this one's actually entertaining and less depressing than just Trump and Biden. 
But this is between Nelson Peltz and Bob Iger. Of course, Nelson Peltz being the activist investor who's looking to gain some board seats on Disney and change the control of the company going forward. So that's an intense one going on right now. Disney actually did have some fairly solid earnings, but Peltz is not backing away. So we're not talking about that too much here today. We got a lot more to get into with our freak in the balance sheets here. I don't know if you guys remember the esteemed artist Lil Tay, personally one of my favorite rappers of all time, but she's self-described as the youngest flex store of the century. But based on American balance sheets right now, looks like she's going to have a whole lot of competition going forward. So earlier this week, the New York Federal Reserve published its quarterly report on household debt and credit uh, in the United States, basically just giving us a summary of the last three months of 2023. Before we dive into things here, we do have a quick video to show you. So if our immaculate producers could get that going, let's see what we got. Now to what could be a debt crisis brewing in our country, household debt rising to record levels as more Americans struggle to pay the bills. Our chief economics correspondent, Rebecca Jarvis, is back now with more. Good morning again, Rebecca. Nice to see you again, Robin. And Americans are taking on more debt, $17.5 trillion overall, 1.13 trillion of that is a record amount and it's on credit cards. Plus more people are falling behind on their payments because despite the strong jobs market, consumers are facing higher prices and much higher interest rates. So take a look at this. In just the last two years, the typical credit card has gone from 14.5% APR to now 21.5% APR. So let's say you're carrying a one classic some absolutely great fear mongering by good morning america i mean those guys know about as much about finance as a fish knows about riding a bicycle so uh definitely not a great place to start but they're really good at stirring the pot and stirring up the fear let's talk about why we shouldn't actually be too scared at least as of yet so they are absolutely right uh u.s consumer debt balances have hit you know all-time highs pretty much across the board uh especially in regards to credit card spending and that's kind of the big thing that everybody's been looking out for as the boogeyman of the whole uh, economy right now. Really, the question comes down to how the United States has been able to perform so well. And we'll dive into that a little bit more in just a few minutes. But as we can see here from the initial data, credit card debt balance has increased $50 billion for the last three months of 2023, up to a record of $1.13 trillion. That might sound absolutely terrifying. But if we go ahead and take a look at this next chart from Callie Cox, uh, this chart shows that Credit card debt as a percentage of actual cash in the bank is still near multi-decade lows. We hit those lows back in about 2021, but certainly still well below the average that we've seen in the previous decade, as well as well below what we saw during the previous recession in 2008 during the global financial crisis. So based on this chart, a lot of people are saying that you're not going to find the boogeyman here. But if we kind of take it to the next level, next order of thinking, People who actually have a lot of that money in the bank, we know that it's not, you know, evenly distributed across the economy. But at the at the very least, that uh, it certainly is a, pretty much the furthest thing from evenly distributed that you could get. So we can kind of assume that the people who have a lot of that extra cash sitting in the bank probably are going out and getting twenty one and a half percent credit card rates. So definitely still could be a boogeyman to look out for if we see uh, people on the lower income or lower wealth spectrum racking up credit card debt. And so that could be what we've seen so far. We'll see going forward. It's only going to take a little bit of time to play out. Uh, but what we can see is that that credit card debt, the run-up in those balances, certainly has contributed to at least some portion of the immaculately strong GDP growth that the U.S. saw in 2023. We did lead the G7 nations and developed economies of the world in 2023 with around a 2.5% growth rate. And the IMF is actually projecting that the United States is going to continue to lead 
developed economies around the world into 2024. And a lot of that has to be tied into this debt spending because seeing these credit card balances run up so much and the incredibly strong uh, retail sales numbers that we saw in December and are probably going to see again in January, that means that a lot of that credit card debt has been spent already, or at least it suggests that it has been spent already, which means we could very well be seeing just a debt-fueled economy, debt-fueled growth going forward, which is definitely one of the scariest things that an economy can see, especially when we see the transition into delinquency rates of at least 30 days. This is kind of early delinquency. It becomes a problem at about 90 days. We see an 8.5% rate of credit cards uh, in early stage delinquency over 30 days, about 7.7% of auto loan balances uh, uh, in delinquency as well. And those are really the two boogeymen to look out for in terms of delinquency overall, because they're the ones that, you know, everybody's going to pay their mortgage because you'd much rather lose your house or rack of credit card debt than lose your car or anything else like that. Uh, so it's not at extreme levels just yet, but the trends, we always talk about the direction instead of the level. The direction is definitely not going well for us. So the eternal dance between cash and credit in the U.S., while it's at a fairly good balancing point right now in the aggregate, uh, if we actually dig into the numbers a little bit, it could be a little bit scary. So we'll see what goes on going forward if you as consumers are able to pay off those credit card debt balances. But if debt fuel growth really has been the primary driver, then uh, slashing interest rates might be the only way to go forward. However, as we all know from last week when Jay Powell just basically came out and shit all over everybody with an equity portfolio, uh, they are not considering cutting rates until much later on in this year. We'll see if that actually holds true. But for now, I guess we'll just have to sit and wait. All right, moving into some stock movers of the day. Roblox is one of the leaders, up about 10.2%. The kids are really carrying the team here. Think about 70% of users on Roblox. So like under the age of 11 or something ridiculous like that. It is very much a children's game, but they're seeing a ton of growth in the over 13-year-old age category. Most other companies don't even have, you know, a an over or under 13-year-old age company. Usually it starts at 18, but because Roblox is very oriented towards the kiddos, they, of course, are going to orient around that. So they did absolutely smash bookings. Uh, they basically call bookings, they, they call their revenue bookings because it includes revenue earned as well as deferred revenue. It's a weird way to do it. But essentially, we can confirm that Roblox has the only valid cryptocurrency on the market as of yet. When you go into Roblox, the way that they make money is by purchasing their in-game currency called Robux. Personally, love that name. I think it's genius right there. And it has been the only successful cryptocurrency uh, so far, especially over the past couple of years since Bitcoin and Ethereum kind of started their tumble that led to the whole market going down. Shout out to Sam Bankman Freed. Either way, daily active users and revenue per user are both growing. That's the Goldilocks scenario that shareholders would want to see. So, of course, they're going to send it up over 10%. Moving on to Ford as well. I don't think I've seen this thing in the green since uh, Henry Ford is actually still alive, but still. Despite the ongoing fiasco that is the F-150 Lightning, they're having huge manufacturing problems, cutting some manufacturing out in Michigan and other areas as well. Uh, they were still able to deliver a fairly solid quarter. That rested primarily on hybrid sales. They saw a 43% jump in sales of hybrid vehicles for the month of January compared to January of 2022, uh, excuse me, 2023. That probably has to do with simply car sales being reduced in January 2023 and not a huge shift to uh, just hybrid vehicles overall but it still helped them out on the day. Uh, EPS more than double the expected. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, of course, adjustments going on there. It's kind of bullshitty to look at adjusted EPS, but they also beat on revenue by about $3 billion in the autos category. So it was definitely a solid earnings period, definitely a solid quarter for Ford. A lot of that also rested on the Blue Cruise Highway system. This is basically their version of FSD uh, and it's Ford. So I'm sure it's an absolute piece of shit, but 
still, it's a very high margin business that's been doing pretty well for them. All right, let's move into some absolutely rotten, stinky names of the day here. As you guys know, I got Snapchat behind me. It's been sticking on my office this entire time. But before we dive into it here, I believe we do have another video picking in our best producers in the world. Pull that up here as well. Let's get in on some trending tickers in today's trade. But yeah, let's start off with, of course, Snap. Shares are plunging today. That's after missing on revenue, reporting slower user growth. So this one, um, this one, you know, listen, always Snap. We always seem to see big moves here either way, Julie. So Snap reported, set, the stock was just in free fall. A few metrics that I, I just want worth mentioning. Lower than expected revenue. Um, revenue growth 5%, 1.36 billion. That was a miss. Full year growth flat. Uh, we know the company has been in cost cutting mode. You were just talking about that with yep. layoffs. Even still, though, with that cost cutting, the company forecasting a loss and adjusted EBITDA way bigger than what the street was looking for. Yeah, that seems to be the number that really was disappointing to folks. And looking at the analyst commentary, basically Snap has made a number of changes to its ad platform over the past few years to try to get back those ad dollars. Part of that. The hit was a result of the changes to Apple's ad tracking, right? But Snap, according to these analysts, just have not made enough improvements, especially when you look at them in sharp contrast to a Meta yeah. or to an Amazon, according to analysts like Brian Nowak over at Morgan Stanley. So that seems to be sort of that there are fundamental concerns here about why the ad dollars aren't flowing to them and about demand for the company's products and for their ads. Yeah, to, to your exact point, by the way, the team at Moffitt Nathanson was telling their clients this morning, ramping competition in AI-enabled product solutions at some of these bigger rivals, these guys have to go against. Hard to see, they say, how Snap's competitive position and financial profile gets materially better. So they... All right, I mean, anybody that uses the Snapchat platform knows why their ad service sucks, and that's because nobody actually watches advertisements on Snapchat. It has to be one of the lowest return uh, ad platforms in the entire market here. I mean, I couldn't care less about my friends that post stories on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm sure as hell not going to sit through advertisements to get to that next story. I can barely sit through them on YouTube and even get through Google searches on their own as well. So it's definitely not much of a surprise to anybody that actually uses the platform, but they're definitely going to want to delete this memory from their brains as soon as possible. You know, the real shocking part of the day yesterday was the fact that losing more than a third of their company wasn't their worst performance, uh, wasn't their worst daily performance that the stock has ever had. It's actually their third worst. So that means at least twice before they've lost well over this 33, 34% mark. Uh, that's the really embarrassing part. I mean, if you look at the full-time return of this company, it's an absolute piece of shit. It resembles what Twitter did between about 2006, 2007, when they went public to uh, before Elon Musk actually purchased them in 2022, basically flat throughout the entirety of its existence. And it seems like Snap is in that same ballpark. When you're in the digital ad space, people think of you as a meta and as a Google that you have that potential. But with something like Snap, where it's just no ROI for the advertisers, it's a really tough thing for them. They're going to have to figure out how to monetize this thing a hell of a lot better, uh, especially a hell of a lot better than the creepy ass Snapchat Plus platform that they have right now. That allows you to like track people going around. I, whatever they want to do, I mean, more power to them. But Jesus Christ, they're lucky that memories are a thing because otherwise I think everybody that used this platform and has since, you know, gone beyond the age of 22 would be deleting it if memories weren't a thing. But hey, I guess it is what it is for now. The real problem is just simply that the tide has been pulled out and Snap is absolutely swimming naked. That's what we mean when we say that they are one of the weakest ROI platforms in the digital advertising market out there. Uh, much worse than Meta and Google, and even worse than what 
Pinterest sees over there as well. Uh, definitely a really tough day, but we'll see what happens going forward. We're certainly not bullish, but hey, we love to be proven wrong. All right, moving on down to Alibaba, getting into some Chinese stocks, which if you guys read the Thought Banana, you know that they're not doing too well. Uh, but of course, I think we have a video on Alibaba as well here. Uh, let me see if our producers can pull that up Welcome here. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Alibaba under pressure after a revenue miss. Shares are now down more than 30% from their 52-week highs. Our Deirdre Bosa has been tracking that one, joins us now with the breakdown. Deirdre, good morning. Hey, good morning, Sarah. So even a fresh buyback that could not appease investors this quarter. Shares down more than 5% as the top and bottom line results fell shy of expectations. But the problem for Alibaba, it goes back years, and it may tell us something about the Chinese stock market at large, which we know has been under pressure. Look at this chart. Since December 2020, Alibaba and the Hang Seng have moved in tandem. Back then, the Chinese government launched that antitrust investigation into Alibaba, introducing a wild card for Baba and the market at large, telling investors essentially that Beijing could and would interfere at any time, even taking aim at its largest, most successful companies. Didi's botched IPO would follow curves for other internet giants like Tencent. Also around that time, we started to hear calls that China was uninvestable. Three years on, Chinese companies have deeply performed other global markets. And after so much value destruction, guys, there's signs that Beijing is in damage control, hinting that it will step up efforts to prop up the market. Chinese stocks had their best day in years on Tuesday, but even that may prove short-lived. And just to bring this all back to Alibaba, because really it has become this proxy for the market at large. It has also tried to come back, move Jack Ma out of the spotlight, restructured the entire company, tried to spin out its cloud division. Nothing seems to be working in today's earnings just underpin that suggest it's not working Beijing kneecapping it way back in 2020 that changed the field and it allowed newer players like Pinduoduo to rise maybe at Alibaba's expense but that was certainly a theme within this quarter as well more competition it's core e-commerce business barely growing guys back to you I mean Jack Ma can certainly try to stay out of the spotlight here but when he comes in and buys about 50 million in shares right into this orange port it's really tough to believe that he is trying to stay out of that spotlight, especially when he gets disappeared. Like, we're pretty sure what happened to him a couple of years ago. <laughs> but anyway, definitely a rough day for Alibaba, like those CNBC hosts just pointed out. Overall, it's likely a bigger problem with simply the Chinese stock market and Chinese economy uh, as a whole. So as you guys saw there, Alibaba sales barely growing whatsoever. And that's kind of how we're seeing retail sales perform in China as well, especially towards the back half of last year. Really was uh, not a good performance. And being one of the biggest retailers in that country, of course, Alibaba is going to suffer right alongside it. Net income overall fell a very not nice 69% uh, for the fourth quarter compared to the fourth quarter of the year before. But overall, this problem could be summarized as recent violence against Chinese stocks. Uh, it's really much more of a market-wide thing than an idiosyncratic factor with Alibaba. If you guys remember, Charlie Munger was a huge fan of Alibaba. He owned a ton of shares or advocated for purchasing a ton of shares around the $85 mark way back in the day. Uh, so clearly, he believes in this company. He's one of the greatest investors of all time. So instead of calling it uninvestable, maybe it's just in a really tough position right now as Chinese stocks overall are. So Place your bets here. This could be a huge fat pick that we all regret in just a couple of months, but definitely let me know if you're buying, if you're selling, and what's going on. Let's talk about Chinese stocks more as a whole here. So, you know, you don't fire the weatherman when it starts to rain, but unfortunately, Xi Jinping isn't on that same vibe, apparently. He and the rest of the Communist Party over in China decided to remove their head of the Chinese Securities Regulatory Commission uh, as Chinese stocks just continued to plummet. Now, 
if the weatherman is coming out saying things like, oh, it's not going to rain and it does start to rain, then you probably do have grounds to fire up. And that's kind of what was going on here. So the former head of the China Securities Regulatory Commission, uh, his name, well, I'm going to butcher it, but his name was Yi. And he essentially got removed on Wednesday for failing to be able to turn this mess around. So as we can see, since COVID, really since uh, the COVID zero policy in China has been going on, Chinese stocks have been absolutely suffering, uh, losing as the rest of the world has been gaining, and especially as the U.S. is near just about all-time highs. China is entering its fourth year of declines, down about 2.5% prior to Tuesday. Tuesday was a big comeback for the country as a whole, but it still has gone well in the days since. So really what we're seeing here is uh, just a suffering economy and translating into the stock market overall. And so instead of, you know, thinking about ways to increase earnings, improve these companies overall, China decided to just cut the head off of its top regulator, replace it with somebody else. Now, the former top regulator, Yi, had been saying for quite a while, oh, we're going to build that confidence. We're going to get investors fired up again. They did things like uh, they had the Chinese sovereign wealth fund actually take positions at some ETFs. So that's actually buying shares in these companies, which should have supported markets overall. But the global investors, uh, they've been pulling money out, pouring into places like the United States, and even a little bit into Europe as well. So it's definitely an ugly picture. But once again, is it uninvestable or is it just in a tough position right now and has a lot of room to grow? Definitely place your bets right now. We don't have the answers for you, but we definitely have bets to place uh, if that's what you're into. Now we can finish up for the day. Of course, we had to get a quote from one of the most famous Chinese investors of all time, a student of Charlie Munger here as well. So tying in a lot of things. And he said, investing is about intellectual honesty. You want to know what you know. You want to know mostly what you don't know. So we got to keep in mind both sides of the coin there. Definitely some wisdom from Mr. Lee Lu. Make sure to leave a rating. Tell us what we suck at. Tell us what we're great at. Uh, but if you say anything negative, keep in mind, I will cry myself to sleep about it and think about it for the next week at least. So uh, be careful. Keep my psyche in mind here, but definitely let us know what we're good at and what we suck at. Thank you guys once again for joining us here today. Shout out to anybody that listened on the podcast and on the YouTube channel as well. Definitely go ahead and check us out there and check out any of these clips going forward. Uh, but of course, we'll be back to your regularly scheduled programming tomorrow and in the weeks going forward. No more vacations coming up. I'm just going to try to recover from this horrific sunburn that I got going on under here. Um, I'd show you guys, but I don't know if that's exactly PG-13. Either way, uh, you know, happy to be back. Happy to see you guys again. Make sure to leave comments tomorrow and every day going forward. Happy investing, happy trading. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Thursday, apes. Bye, guys. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.